This is Shifting Our Schools, episode 53, The Teenage Brain and Its Future. Listen up, educators. Are you looking to take your classroom to the next level? The technological shift in education is happening right now. If you're looking to integrate technology into your classroom, you're in the right place. Welcome to Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Udick. Well, good morning to you from a sunny, gorgeous morning here in Seattle. I woke up this morning and wasn't expecting to record a podcast, but uh, I looked outside and there isn't a cloud in the sight and my phone is going off. And I thought, um, you know, I just need to get outside this morning. So I don't know if you hear it, but the birds are in the background. It's gorgeous. I'm actually going to take a photo here. I'll just take a photo real quick. I got my phone here and I'll put it on the, uh, as part of the show notes for you this morning. So you can see the setup this morning, got the cup of coffee. I, I am lucky enough that I live in a very beautiful part of the world here in Seattle, Washington, overlooking the Puget Sound and the, the Olympic Mountains in the background. And, um, you know, I woke up this morning and wasn't expecting to do a podcast. And then you go to something like Twitter and all of a sudden things find you. And I talk about this a lot. You know, the best professional development you can have is being a connected teacher and being a connected educator and being connected, period. And so I wanted to just sit down and record this podcast. Plus, it's the it's uh, right before Memorial Weekend. Happy Memorial Weekend. Hopefully, you enjoyed three relaxing days off if you were here in uh, the United States. Uh, and for the rest of you who are winding down school years, I'm starting to get messages from teachers around the world where the last day of school is like June 6th or June 8th. So we wrap up the end of this school year. But um, I always love a Memorial Weekend. We have a tradition that we go out with our friends to a lake. We rent a pontoon boat and we do boat in camping. So we load everything up on the pontoon boat and we go to a place that you can only reach by boat. And uh, what I love about it is it gets me off the grid. And I get to spend four days not connected. And the thing that I find fascinating is I do this a lot during the summer. My wife and I love to go camping off the grid in, in remote places what I always find is when I'm off the grid, I get so excited about the work that we do and the work that I do. And I get so excited about education. It's like the brain needs that time to disconnect. And I love going away because I come back more energized uh, every time. So I'm still looking forward four days with uh, great friends and family, you know, just uh, enjoying the outdoors and, and being off the grid. And it's fascinating because when we, where we go boating, where we go camping, the first year we went, there was absolutely no cell service. So it was literally off the grid. And then year two, it, there was a little bit of cell service. It was hit or miss. Well, last year it's full, full bars for, you know, 4G data, which is a little bit frustrating, but we all make a commitment to, to leave the phones behind. The nice thing is there's no electricity. So once your phone's dead, your phone's dead. So that's always good. But, um, it's just, uh, it's, it makes me think about that the brain needs time to just think and be. And where are we doing that? And it goes to today's episode about the teenage brain and its future. And uh, just real quick before I jump into some of my thoughts this morning off the cuff here, um, don't forget to sign up to be part of the podcast in June and July focused on the one-to-one teacher and learning. You can do that over at sospodcast.org. When you're there looking at the picture this morning, feel free to click on the one-to-one link at the top and you can sign up to be part of the conversation. We've got some great people lined up already. Um, you can go in there. You can join it. We, we'll take up to four people per episode. Or if there's a week that looks like something you want to discuss or you've got something to add or maybe you have questions, feel free to throw your uh, 
email in there, and we will definitely do everything we can to make sure we get times. We've got people coming in from around the world. I think Patrick Green is going to be uh, joining us for the first uh, the first week coming in from Singapore uh, the week before he moves back here to the States. Uh, so be very excited to have him as well as part of that. Uh, and remember, the Future is Now conference here in Seattle at the end of June, June 27th. If you'd like to come visit us and, and have some deeper conversations for a day here at a beautiful facility in downtown Seattle, we look, we're looking forward to that. So you can do that over at SOSpodcast.org as well. So check out the picture of the view this morning for me recording outside and then also... Uh, go ahead and click on those links while you're there as well. So here's the thing. I woke up this morning and I'm just scrolling through Twitter like I do. And I find one link that, um, comes from a contact of mine in Luxembourg. I've been working with the, uh, international school of Luxembourg last year. And, uh, Nancy, uh, tweeted out a, a article that she found from Ed Surge and then not, I don't know, five or six tweets later as I'm scrolling through, I find another article from John Micton, who is the IT director at the International School of Luxembourg. So today, it just happens that both of these articles come from from that school. But I wanted to start with, and I'll put links to both articles in the show notes so that you can um, go and read these, because reading the full article to really, I think, there's some great stuff in here. But the one that Nancy shared was an EdSurge article, and if, you, if you've if you never been to edsurge.com or you haven't heard of them, great place for research and just forward-thinking stuff. The article was written on April 3rd, so it's a few weeks old, but I haven't I hadn't seen it yet. Um, but the title is, Is Technology Bad for the Teenage Brain? Yes, No, and It's Complicated. And it's written by John Medina, who some of you might know is the brain rules doctor. He wrote the book on brain rules. Uh, it's a book that we use quite often in our trainings, especially around the idea of this media first generation, around the idea of visual literacy and the power of images in learning. And in the article, he kind of breaks down some of the things he talks about um, when we're talking about is, is technology good for the teenage brain? And in the article, he talks about how we just don't know. And I think that's just where we're at. We do not have enough research to be thinking, to really know, is it good or it's bad? And in the article, he's actually put together some different research that, of course, contradicts, contradicts itself. So his first, the first research that he's looking at here is um, he's looking at a research paper that was looking at the use of video games in television viewing. And two different, he quotes two different research, and he's got links to all the research in here. But the first quote from the first paper, and a quote out of the research, it says, viewing television and playing video games each are associated with increased subsequent attention problems in childhood. So there's research that says viewing and playing video games does increase attention problems in kids. So we have that. And at the exact same time, another piece of research says that video games have now become tools in research facilities because of their ability to enhance attention. So here you have two pieces of research done on teenagers where one piece of research says it actually leads to attention problems. And the other piece of research says it has the ability to enhance attention. And that's where we're at. We just don't have enough research on this. The, the research that is coming out is completely 
counterintuitive. And what we don't know is what do they mean by that? Is just sitting and staring at a television and not engaging? Is that what's leading to attention problems? Is it playing video games? Is it a certain type of video game? I mean, the problem with video games is there are so many different types of video games. You know, is Tetris, which is a video game, is Tetris the same as Grand Theft Auto? And I think we there's a, such a sliding scale when it comes to video games, it's very hard to determine the two, where you could also say on the other end that, you know, the ability to enhance attention. If you have to pay attention to detail and things that are moving really fast in your game, or you're building something in Minecraft, you know, those are those games enhancing our attention. And so here we have research from a doctor that is all being, you know, it's, it's good, bad, and, and it's complicated. My favorite, though, is, is later on in the article, he looks at um, some other research they did with uh, teenagers where they took students and it was all around social media. And the researchers in one study followed a group of 10 to 14-year-olds for a year, tracking their use of social media, primarily Twitter and Facebook. The experiment design was a good old pre-post test uh, using an array and, I don't know, adolescent measurement of empathy and sympathy. So they were looking at empathy and sympathy as it related to kids spending time on social media. Here's what the researchers found. Researchers found that adolescents... Social media use improved both their ability to understand cognitive empathy and share the feelings of their peers, effective empathy. So students who used social media were actually more empathetic, according to the research. Now, that's interesting. At the same time, another study uh, had a study done where they took devices away from kids, that they, they took away all the mobile devices and primary texting. The research uh, boarded on child abuse, it says, because teen cell phones were, with permission, taken away for five days. They whisked the kids off to a cell inaccessible wilderness camp, and researchers also employed a pre-post design. So same type of design of research. Here's what the research found. After five days interacting face-to-face, Without the use of any screen-based media, preteens' recognition of nonverbal emotion cues improved significantly more than that of the control group. So what do we do? If you use social media, we have research that says you're more empathetic. If we take all the social media away and take your devices away, we say you're better at picking up on nonverbal emotional cues because you're spending time face-to-face. I just love this. I mean, we are in such a place with this generation that there are no hard and fast answers. I mean, here's a guy I, I, I honestly really expect, uh, respect John Medina, and his new book is coming out, uh, The Attack of the Teenage Brain, Understanding and Supporting the Weird and Wonderful Adolescent Learner. And I cannot wait to read the book. It's on my reading list this summer. But, you know, this is just where we're at is we have, there is research, but the research is inconclusive. We say, yes, screen time helps us become more empathetic as teenagers, and it helps them see different points of view, and it helps them see people in different ways. And at the same time, being off the devices allows for the recognition of nonverbal emotional cues improves significantly. So we need both. We need time at camp to go away and not have 
any devices. I need time going camping and hanging out with my friends and being on a boat and just fishing for days. And then I also need time where I am connected in my social networks. I don't know if you can hear that, but it's garbage day. <laughs> you can hear the garbage truck over there. Um, so anyways, that's the first article. And so we have this article that's talking about the teenage brain, what we know and what we don't know, what is research telling us, and it's very inconclusive. You know, uh, I'll link the article because it's worth and it's worth a read. And then, of course, the link to his book is there as well, which I think should be a summer reading list, and uh, that would be just fascinating for, I think, educators as whole. And then John Micton over, uh, sent out a link on Twitter as well. He's the IT director at the International School of Luxembourg from gettingsmart.com. And this article, again, it's about four months ago it was written. And the title of the article is Skills of the Future, How to Thrive in the Complex New World. And it's a fascinating look, not just at a lot of research is so American focused, but this research is actually looking at the global changes that are happening, which for me uh, is one of my passions, being an international teacher for 10 years, traveling the way I get to travel. You know, I visited 54 different countries. I feel like I've got a, you know, a pretty global view of what's happening in different parts of the world. But what happened, what, what I love about this article is the report summarizes key trends. And there are four key trends that the report summarizes about the future of work. Number one, technology, digitalization of all areas of life, automation and robotization, social demographics, changes, formation of network societies, technosocial, globalization, environmentalization, and meta trends, the acceleration of all of this stuff. It's a 30-page report that he talks about, and the report predicts that in the complex new world, there will be a couple interesting things. And I think some of these, when we talk about raising this generation, we have to think about. He's got a list of about 10 here, and I'm not going to go through all 10 of them, but some of them that stuck out to me. No simple jobs meaning the execution of routine operations on a conveyor belt are going to be gone. The routine job is going to be replaced with robotics. One of the other interesting ones is that we have to prepare kids today for no clear boundaries between personal and working time. And that's a hard one, right? I mean, we, we are, I think my generation, Generation X, if you're in your 40s or even early 50s, you know, are, have been struggling with this. We're the generation that I think is, is coming to terms with or had to come to terms with that you don't shut it off. And then every generation after us, it's becoming more and more apparent. And how do we help kids with that? How do we help kids understand that there's no clear boundary between personal and work time? Horizontal teams working on common goals. Work requires tuning and training in complex systems. I just love these. Jobs in virtual reality and augmented reality will become a common phenomenon. An opportunity and even a need to combine creative and professional endeavors. There are, so, there are some really interesting things here when we look at the world of work and what work is going to look like for this generation. Totally worth a read. The skills of the future... It's, uh, it's just makes me think about, we have these kids, we have technology in schools, we're struggling with how much technology they have, and the research is inconclusive. We then get a report like this that talks about what they need to do and what their world is going to be. What are the complex skills they're going to need? No professions. Here's one. I like this one. No professions for which skills are acquired at a young age and in the future are not retained. No professions for which skills are acquired at a young age and in the future are not retained. 
there's just the the world is changing and we in education need to understand that it's changing around us we are becoming more global whether we want to or not we are becoming more connected whether we want to or not and how are we supporting a generation who is growing up connected who is growing up social and who is growing up with a future that still at this moment is pretty unpredictable. Those are questions I'm wrestling with this morning. I hope you get some time this summer as you wrap up your school day to get off the grid, to spend some time disconnected with your family and your friends, and have a great rest of your week. Until next time, we'll see you on the network. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Udick. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit sospodcast.org, facebook.com slash Jeff Udick, and on Twitter at judick. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time on Shifting Our Schools.